So I recognize it has been a while since I have posted or published a podcast episode. Shout out to Samuel Franklin for that accountability. And I wanted to come back with a bang. COVID-19 is currently a thing. So there is a little more time than usual, being that not many, if anyone, is training right now. So I had a chance to catch up with Ryan Rizuki. He is a basketball trainer in California. He uh, had a chance to train his first NBA player at the age of 17. He was mentored by some well-known names like uh, Jordan Lawley, uh, Cody Topper, um, and a lot of others that he'll mention later on in this podcast episode. But the most interesting thing about Ryan is the fact that he's so young and he owns his own gym. So we had a chance to chop it up about what that looks like in owning his own gym and the process that he took the get there and the work that it takes. So if you guys don't mind, do me a favor, make sure you check in, listen, take notes on this podcast episode and thank Ryan for his time, for his information. And most importantly, go ahead and join the Basketball Trainer Secrets Mastermind Group. It is a free Facebook group where Ryan is involved in a few, a lot of other verified basketball trainers and we're just giving nuggets and being real talking about what it takes to grow a basketball training business and we want to make sure that we are set and ready to go to hit the ground running once things return to some level of normalcy so if you guys enjoy this make sure you share it with a friend subscribe to the podcast and i hope you enjoy my conversation with ryan rizuki of the hoop house I spent the last three years learning from some of the best business minds inside the game of basketball. And now I've left my nine to five to create freedom and have fun while doing it. So the question is, how are hoopers and basketball fanatics like us using those same skills that gave us success on the court to give us success in our new sport of business? This podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I learn, apply, share knowledge, and change lives through the game that changed mine. My name is Myson Jones, and welcome to the Basketball to Business Podcast. What's up, everyone? It is Myson Jones with the Basketball to Business Podcast. I have with me a special guest, Ryan Razuki. This is correct pronunciation, correct? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Great, man. How are you? Doing well. Always good. Yourself? Ah, zero complaints, man. Of course, at the time of this recording, we are uh, going through COVID-19. So off, off rip, how is that affecting you or how did it affect you in your training business? Uh, well, obviously, it, it killed like 90% of my business. but I'm, I'm, you know, you just innovate and you adjust and you figure out new ways to, to survive. Are you able to actually train right now? <sighs> yes and no. Um, so obviously we have a stay at home order, so we're not supposed to be training and doing anything. Um, you know, a lot of people are doing house calls, zoom calls, et cetera, things like that to do their training still. Um, so before the stay at home order and when we had all the social distancing rules, I was just doing only private lessons, just one-on-one course focusing more on shooting less contact etc um now that they've made the orders more strict uh i won't be doing any training now so i'll just focus on all my online stuff got it so for you i saw your schedule man before i go too deeply into that can you give me yeah. more context or give us more context into your background and when you entered the training space yeah um so i was about 15 years old and my younger brother was playing AAU basketball, and he ended up playing for Jordan Lawley, if you know J-Law. Um, I know J-Law. 
Yeah, so he played for Jordan, who was coaching uh, the Rebels program. And me, just being a kid who loved basketball, I, I had a really good knowledge of the game. I wasn't the best player, but I offered to volunteer. I was like, hey, if you need an assistant, I'm more than happy to help. And um, he's like, yeah, of course, you know, who wouldn't want free help? So I just helped him out for maybe like a, about a year, two years or so. And then when I was about 16, 17, somewhere around there, he ended up leaving to pursue his training full time. So I just took over the team, which really made me mature fast. Cause I was like a 17 year old kid coaching like 12 year olds. So the age gap wasn't too huge. Um, so I learned a lot under him, coached them for like two years, which helped me to get my voice and, um, and to learn how to coach and teach. And then I went to college and they went to high school. So I ended up studying kinesiology. I broke my hand and I didn't play. Like I said, I was okay. Um, but the more and more I learned, the better I got, right? And of course, it's always how it is. Uh, so a few of those players ended up doing private training with me. And then just from there, I slowly just kept building one, you know, one person at a time, one club team at a time, one thing at a time. Then, you know, you treat people right and you work your ass off to be successful. So two things I'm curious to know. One, can you repeat your interaction with J-Law? How did you interact with him through this team? Was it his team? Was he a coach on the team? He was just a coach for the team. Yeah, he was just – so I – my brother was playing, and I just walked up and I just said, hey, would you mind if I just helped you? Do you need some help? And who wouldn't say yes to that? So, you know, I'm an extra body. I can set screens. I can pass it. I can move it. I know how to teach it. So he let me hop in and just help. And then slowly and surely, he couldn't be there anymore. So I started running all the practices and coaching all the games, and he trusted me a lot, and that meant a lot to me. So, you know, he was comfortable leaving the program with me. What, for you, do you still have a relationship with J-Law? Oh, yeah, that's my guy. Yeah, we'll talk in text every now and then. But we're both, like, super busy, so it's tough. Right. How far away are you guys? I know he's in the San Diego area, but how far away do you guys? Uh... He's about an hour and a half from me, up north. He's in Irvine. Okay. Okay. Got it. And did you, when you were in college, you went to San Diego State, correct? Mm-hmm, yeah. Did you have any looks, scholarship, walk-on? What was that? No, I, like I, I wasn't that good in high school. Like, I had gotten a lot better around, like, my senior year. I had, it's the first time I started training. Like, I got under Jordan and trained with him a few times. Um, so I started to get, like, a lot better then. But it was almost too late at that point. So I just went ahead and graduated and just went to San Diego State. I, I was – like, I had a few schools that we had talked to, but it wasn't anything serious. Um, so when I went to state, I just decided to go there, stay home, save a lot of money. And, um, and I tried to walk on there, but they weren't looking for walk-ons. They just wanted team managers. But at the time, like I said, I was doing so good with my training. I must've had at least like 10, 15, maybe 20 players at the time. So I looked at, I weighed my options and I said, okay, well, I can keep pursuing playing and, you know, I'll be a good player or whatever, but why? You know, it's not really going to help me so much in my life. Or I can keep training these 15 kids, turn that into 30 kids, help these 30 kids, turn that to 40, 50 kids, et cetera, whatever, right? I was like, I have a much greater impact in the game of basketball by training and helping the next generation than I ever will playing it. So I was maybe like 18 and I made a decision. I was like, no, I'm going to just I'm gonna stick with what I got, with what I'm good with. That really excites me. I'm trying to figure out why. So where did you train? When, first of all, what year is this? And where did you train when you were in college? Uh, it was about 2014. 
so maybe like six years ago. Um, I'm still pretty young now, but um, so I trained everywhere. What what was the best thing for me was I was training at like you know local YMCA's, local this whatever like uh, parks, recs, etc. So I'd do like a few private lessons on like the weekend when it wasn't so busy. Um, like I would host like one group session and try to get a lot of people in the group session or at least a decent amount and then host a few privates. And then as my name started to build a lot, I don't know why it happened like this and why it doesn't happen for a lot of other people, but a lot of club teams reached out to me. So I had maybe four club teams. So let's say I had my own Sunday group. Monday, I would train, you know, one club team. Uh, Tuesday and Friday or whatever, I would train two other club teams. And so when I spoke to them, I said, well, listen, here's my rate. You know, let's make up a number. Let's say it's, you know, 150 bucks an hour. And I said, well, here's my rate. I can subsidize that rate if you allow me to bring players too. And they said, yeah, sure, why not? And I was like, well, because it's not, you know, a team training, it's skills training. And they're like, yeah, it's not a big deal. So even though I probably lost some money on that, I still looked at it as an opportunity to offer more lessons for people whenever they asked me for them. So now I could say, okay, I have a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday group. So I got like four groups a week. And there's a lot of options for people outside of those programs for other people to come train with me because we're all limited on gym space. So there wasn't anywhere to do private lessons or group lessons or host this or host that. So it worked out perfectly. So I stuck with those things for like a couple of years and I ran a few of my own groups and then I ran a lot of those too. So you basically waived these club teams fees if they allowed you to bring other athletes and trainees into these sessions. And I didn't waive them. I just dropped the price, um, you know, significantly. That's why I said, like, let's say it was 150, and then I'd just be like, mm, well, then let's just do 100. And they'd be like, oh my God, yes. <laughs> you know, so who wouldn't say yes to that? And if anything, I only brought maybe, you know, two or three extra kids that might have made up that fee. Um, but it was just nice for me to have a website that says he's offering a Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Thursday class. Like, there's a lot of opportunity for you to train with me. I like your website, by the way, man. It's very. Uh, it's a great user interface. It's thank easy you, to navigate. You. So whoever designed it did a really good job with that. He did. He did. Yeah, absolutely. For you, what was the process like renting these gyms? I'm sure it was a struggle, as J Law is saying. I, I, I wasn't. I wasn't renting them. Is what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the the coaches and the teams for the club teams they were renting the gyms. They provided the gym. They provided all the players. So I didn't have to rent out the gyms. Got you. Okay. Oh, I understand that now. I follow. I, I, I only ran my own lessons maybe once, maybe twice a week. Like my, about before I got my own facility, I had my own lesson Sunday and Monday where this kid had a kind of like a warehouse gym at his house. So obviously I just trained him for free. So I ran, um, I ran a Monday class at their place and I ran my own Sunday class. And then the other classes I would run would be for the club teams. So let's say I was working with this club team and this club team. So I have, two of my own lessons and then two at their facilities, but they all looked and felt exactly like my lessons. It didn't feel like there was a club team involved because they would allow me to walk in and just train like normal. And I was just getting paid by the club and then getting paid by the drop-in fees as well. That's, that's interesting. Depending on the, the area, the demographic and what is socially acceptable, like you're saying club teams down here in South Carolina, we'll call it AAU or development but same same thing but we don't go around i call it club teams yeah i call it club teams because a lot of them aren't under au 
So I just say club teams because a lot of them do, you know, non-AAU section tournaments and stuff. So, yeah, you know, AAU is like a Clorox or Band-Aid yeah, or something. Band-Aid. They have brand dominance. Like, yeah. <laughs> potato, potato. Yeah, exactly. Right. So you got – they go year-round, though, correct, these club teams? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. We go all year-round here. All our club teams go year-round. Well, the middle school does. The high schools don't. But the, the main focus is, is the middle school, the elementary school, because – that's like the best thing in the world. Their schedules are easier to handle than the high school kids. More lifetime value too. Right? You get them longer than the high school kids who are yeah. taking yeah. from the high school I don't, I don't really care to get a ton of those no more. Yeah. I'm with you. So man, I, I looked at, before I go there, I mean, I'm jumping, but what is for you, Jordan Lawley, Drew Hanlon, I'm assuming, who were those mm-hmm. mentors that you had early on in the game that, paved the way for you or helped you out man yeah my 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 training story is kind of crazy so i went to costa rica and my parents had signed me up and it was like a gift or something for like my graduation or something of the sort and they allowed me to go to this basketball camp because you know i loved hoops i just wasn't i was good not the best and i went out there and i got a chance to train with gannon baker if you're familiar with gannon um so then we talked to gannon and we said hey listen like you do an amazing job We'd love to have you come to San Diego and run a camp here. Mind you, I was like 15, 16 at the time. This is when I had just started coaching and playing and, you know, a lot of stuff at the same time. So we talked to Gannon. We got his prices. We brought him to San Diego. We mass marketed it and, you know, put banners and flyers and ran over the whole city doing every single thing we could to market this event. Ended up with about 120 players or so. So it was me, Jordan, and Gannon. And we ran this camp and obviously we had a bunch of volunteers next year. We brought Gannon again and then brought Cody Topper. Also, if you know Cody, he's with Memphis right now. Um, he's probably the best basketball mind of ever, 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 ever like spoken with. Um, so maybe that was the next year. I'm not sure. Maybe that was the next year or two years, but we, we did that camp. Um, and Cody and Gannon and Jordan, I mean, they kind of looked at me at that time. I must've only been like 17. They're like, Whoa, Whoa, Whoa. Like, shit, you're the real deal, dude. Like, you know what you're doing. And so for me, that was a huge, like, stamp on my name. Where I'm like, yes, like, you know, proving to my mentors that I'm a good trainer, that I have a voice that I can teach, that I know what I'm talking about, et cetera. Um, so Cody ended up giving me one of his pre-draft players to work with who was actually with the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, so I got to train an NBA player when I was, like, 18 years old, which was really cool. And we built a relationship, so we still work with each other. Um, Obviously, he liked to work out. And then we also brought Drew Hanlon for a camp. We brought Damon Altizer for a camp. We tried to bring Tyler Ralph. Didn't work out too well. Tried to bring Joel Too Much, Lethal Shooter. Didn't work out too well. Um, but we brought Devin Williams twice, um, and that's a great relationship as well. So we just, like every single year, or we'd run at least one or two camps. And oftentimes, I'd bring Jordan to do it with me. And so we'd just run these like huge, massive camps. And eventually, Jordan moved to Irvine. Of course, Devin goes back to LA or San Francisco. Damon goes back to Virginia. Everyone goes back to where they're from. And we always ran the camps in San Diego. So now all these kids are looking for someone to train with. It helps to build my name. When all the other trainers leave, they're going to end up coming with me. So a lot of like, running those camps really helped my business to thrive and my name to thrive. Man, that's awesome. So what, yeah. were these House of Hoop camps or were these uh, Driven camps? Were these Jordan Lawley camps? What, what was the title? It was, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a combo. So, you know, we just okay. we called it, um, you know, my, my name wasn't that big at the time. So we just called it, you know, like Driven Camp because we brought in, you know, Damon. And we just called it Driven San Diego or In the Lab San Diego. 
and we'd throw my logo and Jordan's logo on there. And, and Jordan was, you know, bigger at the time, but not like he is now. Um, you know, we call it, uh, you know, San Diego, whatever, like elite camp hosted by Gannon Baker, you know, Jordan Lolly, Cody Topper, Ryan Rizuki, and just kind of threw some like, little resumes on there. But I mean, we worked our ass off and just put flyers all over the city, banners here, this, that, et cetera. What would you say are some of the greatest nuggets you've gotten from those names you just mentioned? Shoot, that's good. Um, I wouldn't say it's anything that they specifically told me. Um, I think it's just by watching them that I've learned the most. And so when I, when I look at Gannon's teaching, his amount, the amount of passion that he has for the game is insane because he's like screaming like with pure like like he wants you to get better so badly and when you don't you could see how frustrated it makes him because he really really wants to get better then when you watch jordan teach he's so in tune with every single detail like every single detail so when you watch cody he cares so much about the game characteristics and how much it applies and having you move off the ball and with the ball and this and that etc just being efficient with your movements and you know, putting you through a squeeze or putting you through a floppy or putting you through this or putting you through that, that I, I took pieces of all those things. So I wouldn't say it's specifically something they told me, but if you ever watch me train, like I always start with some sort of game action. And I think a lot of that is due to Cody. So I always start with some sort of lift or drift or screen, um, you know, or slip or, or pop or whatever, right? Um, some sort of game action to get the players moving. And then like, I'm definitely passionate about it. Like Gannon, but I'm more of an educator. Um, so I'd love to teach the details. That's important to me. So you fall in that uh, more of the game enhancement side? Do you really? Oh, 100%. Really... Yeah, I like, I like skill enhancement, but I'm 100% game enhancement. So you don't have the cones out there, not the rip cones. You don't have anything else like that out there that you use during your, your there, sessions? Yeah, or... no, I, I like tennis balls. I like, you know, I like two balls. I like mint balls. I like all that stuff. I think it's, I think it's great. I just know that my area of expertise is game enhancement. However, because my gym is a little bit small, I mix in some skill enhancement because they're both important. I think if you get both of, both of them, it's the best of both worlds. How large is your gym space again? You commented on the group. Shout out to the Facebook group, the yeah. Basketball Trainer Mastermind, and for your engagement in that. So if you look at a half court, right, and you have corner to corner, out of bounds to out of bounds, and if you take the top of the key and you just cut off the very top of the key. So and you know how the top of the key is what, 20, about 19, nine or 20 feet. Maybe, maybe, maybe we're talking college line or whatever, but um, it's just cuts off the top of the key. So what happens is in one of the corners on one side, I have a hoop that'll allow you to attack downhill. So let's say it's like maybe 50 feet wide, which is a general width of a basketball court. You can attack downhill to that hoop. But for everything else, it's half court, and you're attacking from the wings or the corners and maybe the slot, but definitely not from the top of the key there. So you can mm -hmm. get all the spots on the floor. You just got to switch baskets to do it. That makes sense. You have three goals, right? Four, actually. Um, four there's goals. another one. Yeah, four. So I only use three at a time, um, two or three at a time, but it works out. How many shooting machines do you have? I've seen three or four in videos. Two dishes, two dishes. Two dishes. Got it. And man, what's your philosophy with competition in, in the area? I'm sure there's uh, quite a few basketball trainers in the San Diego area. Do you, are you competitive? 
when it comes to that or do you not even pay attention no that? no i can't no um so having a gym is way different than being a trainer and this is why i said i love it because i offer you see my schedule i offer about 25 almost 30 classes a week not including my private lessons not including when teams come in not include so I'm, I'm i'm easily over you know whatever like hundreds of hours a week in their training so what happens is let's say another trainer you try to schedule a private lesson where the hell are you gonna go my son you're gonna go you're gonna end up outdoors at a park maybe maybe it's too dark you might end up indoors at a 24-hour fitness where you have to sneak in and people are playing at the same time you're training you might end up at a life you know what i'm saying like you cannot get a private lesson anywhere you call me and I'm like, well, I don't have any availability except for, you know, these slot times because I'm super busy. But, you know, if someone wants to do a private lesson, at least there's the option. Maybe there's a 3 p.m. right after school. Maybe there's a 9 p.m. after all the groups. Maybe there's a, you know, maybe you get out of school early and you can get in there before all the group happen. Maybe you can come in on a weekend. Maybe you go early on the weekends or whatever. Like, there are times at least when you can come in and you can get a private lesson. Um, or if you're just like, hey, you know, my kid wants to get better. Well, I have four groups today. I have four groups tomorrow. If they're not filled, you can sign up or you can drop it. Like there is always somewhere, something to do. Let's say that you play baseball, your practice got canceled. You know that you can go to the hoop house. It's open seven days a week. Let's say you play soccer, practice gets canceled or moved. Well, guess what? You used to come on Tuesdays. Your practice got moved to Tuesdays. Well, I have another class on Fridays that you can join. So being, being a gym owner is way different than being a trainer. I don't like private lessons suck for scheduling because at any moment of the day a kid can just get sick get hurt and cancel your lesson but if i'm hosting a group and you're paying a monthly membership to join that group and you get sick or you get hurt can make you it up another week or another time exactly. like you get one make session per week right yeah exactly some some do one some do two then i can like you don't understand like my groups are probably some of the best groups ever because my gym is so small so i keep it to about maybe like 10 kids maximum but I also have like two or three other trainers in there and we're all holding pads and we're drawing contact and we're teaching and we're moving and it's fast paced. You get an incredible workout. And then when your group is done, you typically get a chance to do a shooting lab, which is just an opportunity to shoot. So now these kids are coming in for two hours of work where they do a ton of finishing. They're going through game actions. They're passing it. They're moving it. They're drawing a lot of contact, which helps things to translate. And they go through a lot of finishing and some mid range game. They finish up the workout. We set up the dishes and they shoot for another hour. So now you use skills work for an hour, shooting for another hour. You drew a lot of contact. You learned a lot. You improved your footwork. You got better. I mean, you do that every single week. That's the recipe. Are they being charged for the doctor dish session, the shooting lab as well, or just something that you're yeah, it's, saying, it's, hey. it's a it's an extra. So they sign up for the special. Either you sign up for just the class itself, or you throw in the special. So it gives you like four extra classes for like thirty bucks or so if you add the special on there. But it just makes sense makes sense to do it. Some kids do, some kids don't. So what's that process like from I'm I'm using this gym that clubs have already rented out, they've already reserved, or this client has a warehouse that I'm using to either bootstrapping, saving up enough money to put money down on this gym I want to own, or mm -hmm. taking up a loan, or whatever that process looked like. What is that that, that looked like for you? What did it look like? For for me, it looked like this. Four years ago. Um, a dude was putting out signs for this gym that he opened up. So I was like, oh, shit, basketball. Look, can I cuss on this podcast? It's done now. So you might as well keep going. <laughs> okay, that was cool. So, it's cool. It's cool. Right. Oh, shoot. You know, let me call. <laughs> let me go check out what it is. <laughs> so I pull up and I just check out, you know, what's going on. You know, I want to see it's basketball. Why would I not want to get involved? So I speak with the guy and um, 
you know, he's not too interested in working together. But I kind of wanted to push it a little bit and just see, like, okay, you have a gym. You're not going to be in here seven days a week. You know, you're an older guy. You got kids. You got a wife. You're not spending all your time in the gym. Um, so he tried to charge me some outrageous rates to rent out. So it just didn't make sense to do it. What was um, that rate, if you mind me asking? Um, so the general parks and recreations that we have here will charge $20 an hour for a full court, which is what I was running out. And for his gym, which was a lot smaller, like I said, which is mine now, he was wanted to charge me 40 and then even 50 if I used his shooting machine. So for me, it made no sense to move my classes over to him, pay double the price for a smaller gym. Um, and I wasn't, I wasn't ready to just open up a new class and just kind of, you know, try to bring people into a new class and have to pay 40 bucks a week. You know, every time I wanted to show up and I'd end up losing a lot of money. It wouldn't make sense. Um, Cause I had a, a good group, but I was like, no, I have my Sunday and my Monday and a few privates here and there and a few other things here and there. So I was like, no, I'm just not going to do it. So four years later or three years later, he calls me and says, Hey, I'm, I'm going to leave. I'm going to go coach with this team. I'm going to, I'm not going to need the gym anymore. And uh, I was like, cool, I'll buy it. So I bought it from him and then I've been in there every single day since. That, did you have to go to a bank to get that? Did mom and dad have you have some silent investment? No, I, or like... I had savings. I had savings. Like I told you, I went to San Diego State. So I stayed. I lived at home when I was in college. I went to San Diego State. I went four years there and just did training, training, training every single day. And I just saved up. I'm not a spender. I just, I just saved all my money. And I knew that if I trained every single day and, and my name would grow, my bank account would grow, and I was able to, like some, someday something good would happen. I didn't know what it would be when it would happen, but I just knew if I trained at least once a day, every single day, I got to help people every single day and I get to, you know, get some money every single day. Eventually something good would happen. So I just saved up. That's dope. So you bought the thing cash? Like, hey, Mr. Owner, here it is. Let me take it. <laughs> I, wrote, over, I, wrote, right? I wrote a couple of checks, yeah. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I like that, man. So with that, what, do you, what would you say because I'm thinking San Diego, man, like the cost of living out there, I'm thinking it's definitely way higher than what it is out here or more so along the East Coast or the Southeast. For you, would you say yeah. it's the, the cams, like the energy, the electrics, or what would you say your biggest expense is? Oh, the uh, rent. The, rent, the rent's the, the biggest rent. expense. So there's a few things now, you know. It started off with rent. So what I did is I opened the gym up in like March. And I was there daily by myself. They started, it's, the place started with about seven classes. So I was there daily by myself, running private lessons, going to do my classes. And then I wouldn't leave until maybe like eight or nine. And of course, like when you have a new place, you're trying to renovate, fix things, et cetera. So I'd stay there every day. Um, I brought in my artists to do the murals. I called to get wall padding in. I painted all the walls. I did a bunch of stuff. So I was there like 15 hours a day for the first few days, just training, 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 running my classes. Then I started to open up more classes and it sucked because I started opening up so many that it'd be like, okay, five o'clock class, six o'clock class. And there was no time to talk to the parents and talk to the kids. I was like, hey, good job today. Boom, fist bump. All right, next class, come in. Um, so it was so fast paced, which it worked. It just wasn't the best because there was so much less interaction with the parents and the kids. And I didn't like that. So a few months later, one of my old players I just asked him, I said, hey, why don't you come in and come help me out a little bit? Um, I can use the help. And so he walked in and he helped out. Kid had great energy. So I was like, yes, like you can save me whenever I don't have great energy, you know, one day or whatever. 
um, and he's good at pulling kids aside. So I just told him, I said, listen, you know, we have maybe eight to nine kids in this group between the two coaches. Let's just try to make sure that each and every kid gets an, gets an individual interaction. And at one point in time, you pull out, you know, each kid once and just speak with them privately about what they could fix, about, you know, pull them aside. Um, the kids are going to like that. The parents are going to like that. They're going to, of course, want to continue coming back because we have great energy. They're getting better. We're teaching a lot. And it allowed me to step away from the class and talk to the parents a little bit. Um, so that was awesome when I first brought him up. So the expenses was, of course, just purely rent. Gas and electric is nothing. Um, and anything else like that is nothing else. Uh, but then I added another expense. But it also helped me because I was like, okay, well, now I can open up more classes. So slowly and surely, I just kept opening up more and more classes. And then I brought in volunteers. So high school volunteers needed their hours. And I brought them in. Um, so I was like, perfect, because now I have another body that can like hold the pad or catch a pass or set a screen that I don't need to hire someone for. I just have a volunteer that does the same thing that, you know, I could hire someone for. But I was on pace now to start to allow some of my trainers to start to run my classes until this whole thing happened. Um, but we'll see when things get back. I mean, we'll just go ahead and swing back into things. For you, are you still training about 150 kids weekly? Yeah, well, not right now, but well, not yeah, now, but before. Yeah, there's about 150 kids weekly. What would you say you need to break even for all your rent, gas, electric, the other expenses for the trainers? How many would you say you need for a break even? If I run one private lesson a day, I'd be okay. Really? Yeah. Wow. Just one. I mean, because you're charging $100 for a private lesson. Yeah. So that's 30 days. I mean, my rent is about 3000 or so just to keep yeah. lights on. Yeah, I mean, yeah. but, you know, uh, uh, people, people are grandfathered under certain rates, so maybe I'd have to run, run one or two, and then, then I wouldn't have, you know, no staff, no this, no that. But I'm not looking about just the growth of, like, when I look at things, I'm looking at it like, okay, what's the big picture here? What can I really use all this money for? What can I really do with all this? So my goal was, okay, I get to hire, like, three people on staff, so now I get to help them. So sweet. The more people can hire, obviously it was better, right? Because I don't know, I just love helping people. So I'm like, sweet, I get to help them. Now I get to hire my videographers, my photographers to come and do marketing. I get to hire them to go film some of my players because maybe my players can't afford that, but I want to kind of put them on the map. Um, you know, I can use this budget for, you know, more things in my gym to make the mural nicer, to put more wall padding, to get another TV in here, to do this, that, like um, just a bunch of things. Like maybe one day I'll open up another facility. So all I'm doing is just like using that money to help people and save up for something bigger in the future. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm definitely, you know, doing well. It's not, you know, it's not a problem, but I'm not out here driving, you know, Lamborghini or nothing. I'm just saving. Right. I, I like that too, man. I, I feel the same energy, like live below your means, but within your needs and then everything yeah. else that's profit over that. Like you said, you can pay the trainers, maybe pay them more for the good job that they do. And what else would you like? You have marketing, you have photography, but what is your favorite thing to spend that money on without having to think twice about it? Would it be your own social media presence? Or would it be well, the it players? Was, it, was, it was the mural in my gym. Have you seen the mural? I've seen the mural. It's dope. Like yeah. the hoop house. Yeah, I do like yeah, that. So, um, it first started with Kobe. So I put Kobe on the wall and I was like, listen, this is, this is my goat right here. He needs to be first. Yeah. So put Kobe on. And some of the kids had walked in and if you would have seen the gym before, like maybe I'll send you a picture one day of what it used to look like, but it, it looked almost like a jail cell. Cause it was just a pure concrete wall. 
and and the other walls were so gray there was no wall padding on them so there was no difference in color um so we put kobe down and we put jordan and, and braun down and then we you know added all the top the curry the Giannis, the hardens and all them and then we added Gigi, and we started filling it in it started to look good but now the vibes changed so the difference with owning your own gym versus going somewhere is you can create the vibe so i got music bumping in there you know, you hear some awesome music, you come in, you're like chilling, you're partying, you know, the walls are all wrapped, you see the kids' faces on the walls, there's, you know, they're on the TV, I have, you know, videos of all the kids working out, so they're on the TV, you know, you walk in, you get to see yourself getting buckets, you, you see the mural when you walk in, the place is bright, it's vibrant, everything's colorful, you see the merch room, you see the, everyone's hanging out, everyone loves being there. So the vibes itself will bring people back every single time. And so for me, the no-brainer to spend money on now has been the art. Mm, I like that. So, okay, we're, we're coming, we're coming to a, a close here soon. A few questions I want to ask rapidly for you. Would you yes. be able to have your classes at capacity or as many athletes come to train with you without your social media presence? You have your vibes and I've only seen the Kobe uh, mural, by the way, I haven't seen all the other athletes. So that's fire. Oh, but, shoot. Yeah. I got to see it. I got to see it. Yeah, um, would you be able to have that same size of class without having your current social media presence on Instagram? You're freezing on me. I'm asking, would you be able to have the same uh, amount, same size of classes? You're freezing on me. Out? Am I still freezing? Am I good now? Uh, better now. Let's see. Try again. Cool. Uh, so without your social media presence, your Instagram following, would you be able to have the same size or fill your classes to capacity? Yes, but not as quickly. Um, so I don't think that my social media presence has like, let's say uh, if you, I mean, you can guess my social, like if I had 150 kids, you can guess maybe 20 or 30 of them came from social media, but a lot of them didn't. Um, so the gym started with about 30 kids when I walked in there. Um, some stayed, some left. And then just because you know, it was hard when you came into a new space and I, I didn't know how to utilize the gym yet or to utilize the space I had. So I had, you know, it took me like a little while to learn when now things are way better than ever before. Um, but it was, it was different in that space to learn how to run classes and, you know, to have other trainers and to have help and to have this. Like now I've had people that come to my classes and they, they just, they, they come one time and they just fall in love because there's so much contact which kids don't get there's so much focus on the details and the finishing and this and that etc that they don't get a chance to do and there's a lot of accountability so they love it but um no my social media presence has really only brought me in maybe like 20 or 30 of those kids um i think it's helped a lot of kids to stay because when i post them on social media or when they get to see you know like oh shoot i'm working with this dude or this or this like maybe that I, I, you know there's some like i guess credibility factor where you'd rather buy this brand than this brand not because it's better, but because it's more known. Um, I would say that I'm better, but I'm also more known. So it, it helps. It's definitely not the driving force behind my gym, though, because a lot of the kids that come don't even have an Instagram or don't even have a, you know, a YouTube channel or this or that. Like, so it's, I mean, most of them don't even know, you know, which is fine by me. And um, I, like, I don't need to be... Uh, on a pedestal or something. I just want to walk in and high five and fist bump and handshake every single kid and scream their name and say what's up to every parent. Don't need to be any different, you know? That's fine because you're really active on social, but from what I'm hearing you say, it helps more towards retention versus like acquisition of, of new clients. 
but you're active on IG. Yeah, I get I get the occasional parent or kid to DM me and just be like, hey, man, I'm really trying to get in the gym with you. And I'm like, okay, here's my website. Go sign up. <laughs> like, you know. <laughs> okay, so I guess one big question is for those trainers who are currently renting space, leasing space, or ones who just want to start training and they have basketball knowledge, what wisdom would you give them in regards to the financial piece? A lot of guys are technicians, but not business owners, like you say. Yes. So what numbers should they be looking, looking at and what numbers do you track? Yeah, here, here's why I'm lucky, because I don't have a girlfriend, a wife, a kid, none of that stuff. You know what I'm saying? And, and, I, came, and I came into this position with this in mind, where I told you, I just, I'm just going to train every single day and something good will happen. And then something good did happen eventually. And I, and I almost got lucky in that sense, where a lot of people are like, okay, well, I have a job already that pays the bills so I can afford to have a wife and kids in the house and this and that, et cetera. And the training is a side gig. And, and it's tough. You can't, you can't build a business like that. Um, you know, you already got other things on your plate that are guaranteed to pay the bills. And this is not guaranteed to pay the bill. You know, like I said, a kid, if you focus your, you focus your work on private lessons, any kid can get hurt at any time. Any kid can get sick at any time and you miss out. But it's different though, because if you're running out space, I, I think if you're running out space, I never ran private lessons where I rented out space. I just kind of, you know, snuck into wherever I could get into or went to a park or something because I'm not going to rent out space for your private lesson. Otherwise, the price will go like way up. And, um, and for me, my prices are super cheap for my groups because I want consistency. But they're also automatic renewal. Like you saw my youth class is like 65 bucks. And you right. come every single week. It's super, super cheap because, you know, it even started, I still have people grandfathered at 50 bucks. I don't care because like they can come every single week. They're never going to cancel their membership because it's so cheap. And if they miss, they don't care because it's so cheap. And they'll afford, they can afford coming for a year, two years, three years straight. And it won't hit, hit them in the pockets because they're getting some of the best training for really cheap. But for me, I have a guaranteed 50, 65, whatever bucks that comes into my pocket every single month off of this once a week class. And I get to use that towards whatever I need to for my business. So I, it's different. If you're running out space, I would run groups. I would figure out a way that you can find a space that's consistent. Because sometimes, you know, you got to rent from this gym and this gym and this gym and this gym, whatever. Try to find days that work best with your consistency. Offer once a week this class, once a week this class. Have package deals for, you know, the two classes. Try to set up. I, you know, I never wanted to set up automatic renewal until I got my own place. because you. You could like, at any point, moment, the gym could say, oh, hey, we have another event going on. And then you can't, you know, you, you can't make up that class. Um, it's tough. But I mean, if, if you can get in with club teams and, you know, subsidize your rate like that and do some team training for them, do some team training for high school teams or, you know, do some team training or whatever. And just get more groups, run more camps, just do more things to get more kids in general. It's just hard because I know I had a lot of people that reached out to me before I had a gym. and they were like, oh, man, we really want to train. I'm just like, well, I got nowhere to go. So it's tough. I guess just make the most out of, you know, the time that you do have in the gym to run the groups, get some volunteers in, pack it out. Ryan, man, thank you for your time. Where can the trainers, the hooppreneurs, which is what I'm trying to coin, these uh, basketball trainers who want to become more entrepreneurial, where can we learn more about you or find out more? Yeah, so I have Instagram at R2Bball, 
Um, and then my YouTube is Ryan Rizuki Basketball, which is probably my favorite platform um, to use. Definitely a lot of knowledge on that one. But Instagram's cool. And both are fine. Or Facebook, just Rizuki. So. Thank you, man. And uh, any any parting wisdom to any of the the trainers out there or any of the, the athletes who may be listening? Yeah, so the, probably the number one question is, you know, people always ask, okay, you know, how do I – I want to get to where you're at, you know, whatever. And I, I think I told you earlier, the only piece of advice I have is just um, to work your ass off and to treat people right every single day. And if you do those two things, you know, something good will happen eventually. You'll find success. So that's really like – that was it for me. That, that's been it for me for the past years where I just work my ass off day in, day out. I sacrifice everything. I have, like, no social life right now. <laughs> But um, it all paid off. Ryan, I appreciate you, man. Hopefully you will be willing and able to come back on the podcast at a future date, man. Anytime. Anytime. Yo, hope that podcast gave you some value. If it did, please rate, review, and subscribe to this. It only makes the podcast better. I read every single one. And at the very least, go join our group. You'll see the link in the description of this episode. And I will catch you on the next one.